Welcome to Salt Talks with Randy Marshall and Jim Lutz. Salt Talks, where we discuss topics of everyday life, faith, family, and the workplace. Hi, everybody. I'm Jim Lutz, along with author and speaker, Dr. Randy Marshall. Today's topic, hurry. Public enemy number one. Randy, how you doing? It's good to see you again. And I got to ask, this is an interesting topic. And why do you think it's public enemy number one? Because I'm sure this is one that can really be up for a lively debate, if you will. Yeah, it can. And I would have never really thought about it as a public enemy number one. But the other day, and by the way, good to see you. It's been a while. Been out of the country and uh, it's good to be back. Um, I would have labeled a lot of different things, you know, the cancel culture and the woke and all of that is public enemy number one. But I was reading recently uh, with my favorite author, uh, who's a guy named Dallas Willard, who's no longer with us. He's with the Lord now. And a, a, a mentor of his called him and basically was having a tough time. And this guy that called him, his name is John Ortberg, really a sharp guy, uh, said, what do I need to do to regain the me. I've just been lost kind of in the shuffle. And there was a long pause at the other end of the line. And he, he said, uh, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And uh, he wrote that down and he said, oh, that's really good. He said, what's next? And he was waiting for the second point and a long pause. And Dallas Willard said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life, there is no other point. And so I thought to myself, that's intriguing. Is that really true? And, and then I began to study this. And uh, you know, uh, I think it was one of the famous psychologists who said, you know, hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. Uh, Cordian Boom said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Um, I think really busyness is kind of the plague of our culture, uh, cuts off communication, cuts off connection with God to others, to our soul. Um, you know, you, you greet people, Jim, these days, and you say, how are you? And many people will say, oh, I'm good, I'm just busy. Well, <laughs> everybody seems to be saying, I'm really busy, no margin in their life anymore. And what I've come to the conclusion, the reason I think we, uh, it's time to do a podcast like this is that God didn't create hurry. Uh, Christ was never in a hurry. He was methodical, uh, but he walked with his disciples. So let me ask you, do, do you think we're on the right track here? Is it something that uh, you think is kind of a nemesis of our culture? Randy, I don't think you could have brought this in at any better time. I mean, I shared with you before we went on that um, I just feel like I've been juggling six balls in the air for the last two months mm -hmm. and I've only got one good working hand. And so there's a lot of stuff that's getting <laughs> dropped right now. But yeah. you know, when you, when you shared with me, you say, Hey, what are your thoughts on this? I started looking up some different things and you know, you can go to a, a dictionary at the SARS. Um, yeah. Say that 10 times fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Worcestershire sauce, <laughs> but it, you know, I started seeing these definitions to move or act with speed or haste, and then to hasten, to impel, to greater speed, to urge on. And I just think that we try to be organized. And yeah. when we're not organized, our weakness of keeping things 
even remotely close to organized chaos becomes an effort and futility. Yeah. And, and I am one that's always trying to check myself to make sure that I'm staying on task, but Lordy mm -hmm. be, I'm telling you what life has a way of getting in the way. And mm -hmm. I told somebody the other day, life happens. Yeah. But the comfort I take is that God made life. God gave us life. And if God's got his hands on it, we got this. Yep. Well, I think, you know, the tendency, and I agree with you, um, when, when we were growing up, uh, you know, it somehow was ingrained in us that slow is bad and fast is good. Um, you know, you had the slow group in school. Um, you know, then if you don't get your food on time at the restaurant, well, it's bad service because they're so slow. And you say, well, how's the movie? Well, it was really slow, meaning, I guess, boring. Uh, and, and so the message is that slow is bad, fast is, is good. Um, and I think we bought into that. We read magazines like Fast Company. Uh, everything moves at lightning pace and you're, you're commended almost if you've got so much to do. You know, you hear that all the time. Uh, if you want something done, give it to a really, really busy person. Well, you know, the problem is we don't, it's, it's not that we don't have enough time. If you got 10 more extra hours in the day, I'd still fill it with stuff, but I tend to then cram that in the 10 hours or in the 24 seven. And it's just too much to do. I can't keep the pace up and therefore I tend to hurry. Um, it's also interesting. If you read the scripture, the first quality of love as outlined in first Corinthians 13 is patience. And boy, um, we, we sort of, uh, we, we say, yeah, it's, it's good to be patient, but we're, but we're really not very patient at all. Do you think uh, that spiritually speaking, you can really love somebody and be in a hurry? Uh, I don't, uh, because love takes time. And uh, that's, that's the big problem. It's like hurry and love really don't mix. It's kind of oil and water. What do you think? I think the whole thing is that you have to grow in love. And yep. it's kind of like finding the, the worm and opening the cocoon to see the mm. butterfly when it's not there yet. Yeah. And I think so many people yeah. confuse getting something completed versus something being complete. And when you are saying, okay, I got that done. What's next? What did you learn? Well, I don't know, but God, aren't you proud of me? I'm reading a full chapter every day in the Bible. Well, what did you get out of it? Well, I got it done. Yeah. Well, it's to me, it's more, I'd rather read a line and savor it and yeah. see if it grabs me. And one of those is going to grab me by the scruff of the neck, smack me upside the head with the spiritual two by four. And then I'm going to have those little foghorn leghorn stars around my head saying, oh, I get it. Thank you. Right. right. And, and, I mean, if you think if you think through, it's tough to be present uh, when you're moving in a hurry and you're you're so busy. In fact, if you look at the first three fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, it's difficult to have any of those when you're in in uh when your rear end is set on fire and you're moving so fast because all three of those take time uh, to be present is to really have the joy. 
uh, it's obvious, you know, young family, uh, trying to get three kids out the door uh, to go to church, for example. And it's just crazy. And you're moving and, and uh, all kinds of things uh, happen. It's hard to see a real sense of peace. Nobody has peace at that point. Um, are you feeling love, joy, and peace when you're frenetic? No, you're not. Uh, and by the way, I think spiritually speaking, hurry uh, is really the death of prayer. Uh, you know, <laughs> it takes time to get away and to, to pray and to process, but we're, we're too, too much in a hurry. There are times to hurry. There are times to hurry. Uh, you know, there's a 911, uh, you know, pregnant woman's water break. It's time to hurry. Mm -hmm. uh, toddler's going out in the streets. It's time to hurry. But those are rare. Uh, far too often, uh, we think those are norm. They're really not. So we have an adrenaline rush and we are continually frenetic. Well, I'll tell you, Randy, part of being Catholic is we go to confession. And you're yeah. supposed to do this examination. And, you know, you kind of have this checklist. And, you know, I did this three times, that four times. And, you know, it's like God has a scorecard, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> he just wants to make sure that it's truly in your heart and you're asking for real forgiveness. But I will openly, candidly share this one thing. Every time I go, the first thing I say is, I broke the first commandment. Hmm. Because I let life get in the way. And I didn't spend enough time with God on any given day. It's yeah. I, 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 you know, you, you can find four hours to watch a game. Yeah. But God just says, can you give me a couple minutes? Can you give me an hour? Can you just spend time with me? Mm -hmm. And, and well, it's amazing how we can find time to do everything else that is going to be left on planet earth when we're trying to spend eternity with God. Well, you're always reminded of uh, the Matthew passage where it says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. And that's talking about food and clothing and, and, uh, and shelter. Uh, I'm, I'm also always drawn to the passage where you've got the two sisters, Mary and Martha, and uh, somebody's got to fix the meal. That's not the point. But Martha is, a, it says she's vexed. She's annoyed because her sister is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening and talking and basically drinking in uh, love and joy and peace from the master who created that. And uh, Jesus turns to Martha and says, you're worried about so many things, Martha. But then he says, remember that line he says then? There's only one thing, only one thing really necessary. And Mary has chosen the good part. Well, what was that? Stop. Just stop. And, and, and listen and reflect. Uh, it used to be, it used to be that we would actually stand in line. Uh, it used to be that uh, you uh, stopped at a stoplight and you didn't do anything except sit there. When you're in the middle of an airplane trip, you read a book, you get done with the book, you stare it out the window. We don't do that anymore. Uh, we don't take time to be a holy. Um, we're always moving uh, to a cell phone or a TV or some noise to make the silence just bugs us, I guess, all, all the more. So anyway, uh, I think I think that uh, hurry is a, is a problem. 
but I also think it's a it's an addiction. I think it's a habit, and I think we're just so used to it that it just it kind of stuns us when we actually have to be still. Randy, that verse you shared, believe it or not, that is the verse that I had when I was running marathons. It was on my runner's ID bracelet. Uh, and I and I figured I might have a good parting shot if they find me dead on the street someday. <laughs> As I'm listening to this, and I don't write fast enough to take notes when you're talking about all the nuggets that I get. When you were talking about sitting at a stoplight, you know, on a plane and everything else, this was when we were living in Tucson in the late 80s, early 90s. And I actually listened to Vin Scully do a Dodgers-Reds game, and I listened to the entire game. And it was wonderful because I wasn't watching. I had one sense going on, and that was my ears. Mm -hmm. But the pictures and the vivid, you know, scenes that it was creating, it took me right back to my childhood, sitting at the, the knee of my grandfather under the shade tree, mm -hmm. listening to his transistor radio. And that's when I loved baseball. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I just think that sometimes we truly have to just enjoy the moment. The moment, yeah. Savor it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 you've heard that that old ditty about uh, way back when, you know, you missed the stagecoach. You took it, you know, a week later. Uh, you, you know, then you, you miss the train. You take it uh, a couple of days. You miss a plane, then you take one tomorrow or tonight. And now, uh, you, you know, you miss a revolving door, you're ticked off. Um, and the most overused button on an elevator is, you know, close that door, close that door. Uh, we were it then. I think it'd be interesting. And we're talking about the problem, the problem that we're all faced with. Um, I think it'd be interesting to kind of check out the history of why we move so fast. What is, what's going on here? Why do we buy it? We're kind of born into this. You know, I was, I was, Thinking through this um, and ran across an interesting fact. Jim, did you know that in 1879, <laughs> yeah, 1879, people in grade school. Yeah, I know. <laughs> long, uh, back when the Earth's crust was cooling, uh, it, people stayed up, if you can believe this, and then, and then they slept 11 hours every day. But something happened. Guess what happened in? 1879, Thomas Alva Edison invented the light bulb. Now it's possible to stay up at night. Yeah, it used to be you work all day, sun goes down, you relate, you eat dinner, you sleep. So you basically worked, related, and you slept. The Hebrew day calendar, they called it. And these people would live to what ripe old age, but then suddenly, you know, and I, I had this thought, you know, people used to pray you get up, these old saints would get up at four o'clock in the morning. And I thought, wow, and, you know, camel knees and all those guys. Uh, what's the deep spirit? Well, the reason I got up at four o'clock in the morning, went to bed at 7 p.m. the night before. <laughs> <laughs> it just, you know, so, no big deal. They still got nine hours of sleep. So, but anyway, so, and then that, then along, I mean, Gutenberg, let's face it, 1440, he invents the printing press. In 2007 comes a guy... Uh, named Steve Jobs. Well, he invents the iPhone, and suddenly uh, you got you can stay up all night because light light of day, and then and now the iPhone. Oh, brother! 
uh, and if that's not a device for addiction, I don't know what is. Um, so anyway, there's a lot of reasons that I think it contributes to this habit of running and running and running. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about walking with God. It does not talk about running with God, but, no. yeah, but we do it. Well, we do it. and along with that, Randy, I, I have called for the last two decades, I say that we live in a microwave generation where people no longer sit and wait in front of the oven. And, you know, mom would say, go stick the toothpick in the cake and you'd stick it in. And if any cake came out, yep. it wasn't ready. Right. And you'd say, okay, we're going to sit and wait. And then when you stick it in, it came out clean. She goes, okay, now we can take it out. That's and right. then when it cools, we'll put the icing on it. Now it's like, okay, put it in the microwave. Four minutes later, we have this pseudo cake made of who knows what, yeah, yeah. but boy, it looks good and it's going to taste really good, but your body's going to say, what is this? You know, they got all kinds of stuff. It's almost like strapping on a Ghostbusters gun on your back and you just spray the icing on the thing. I mean, everything is, I mean, we got cheese whiz. I have no idea what, but I'm guessing that's not really Wisconsin cheese, no. but yet everybody no. loves it and it's quick and easy and I can load up this cracker. Oh that's my gosh. Right. That's right. What are that's we exactly doing? Right. It, we want it fast and hot and furious and we, we live in the instant uh, generation. And you know what? It's like in our work even uh, now, if I can't make it to the top in a couple of years, you know, this is boring and I'm moving on and, and I'm not being treated right. And, you know, it used to be step by step and now everybody wants it immediately. Um, you know, the, the iPhone, I have to say, I resisted a, a cell phone for six or seven years. Then business dictated it. I used to just try to do a pay phone. And they asked one time, you know, can I use your pay phone? He said, yes, sir, you can. It's two blocks down. There's a museum down there that has one. I said, that's not, not, that, not that funny. But, um, but I, I read something recently. You know how many times we touch our iPhone every day? Oh, Hundreds, they, if not they, thousands. They said 2,600, now how they came up with this, 2,617 times is the average time you touch two and a half hours every day on the cell phone, 76 different sessions. We are addicted to, to, to that. They asked the younger generation recently, what's, what's the one thing you do when you have any time on your hand? 77% said, I reach for my cell phone. And that's really true. Um, here, here's my, here's my biggest problem with the whole thing. I think hurry is really a form of violence to the soul. Um, I think the soul was meant to rest. You know, there's a Bible verse that's crazy. Let me see if I can find this. I wrote it down. First Thessalonians four, 10 and 11 says this. Paul says, we urge you to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Wow. Just the thought of that, that serenity behind that. Uh, you know, I love that. But what I find is that I, you know, I'm, I'm moving from one uh, checkout line to the next because there's fewer people. I, I've, I count the number of cars in front of me and move, you know, as fast as I can uh, to the faster lane. Uh, I'm multitasking. I even forget one of the items on the list, uh, you know, to task. I mean, it's, it gets to the point where I can talk about it neck up, but I am a victim of it too. And I choose that, I think. And uh, I'm, 
you know, public enemy number one, I've met the enemy and he is me. Uh, so I'm part of the problem and I'm just talking to you about trying to figure out the solution. I think there's some things I've studied recently that'll help us in a little bit. Randy, you know, one thing you mentioned and I think it's Little Caesars. They even advertise it and it's on their box, hot and ready. Yeah. You don't have to cook. You don't have to wait. It's right. hot. It's edible. It's ready. Let's go. That's right. Yeah. And, I mean, I, well, and that appeals to people. Yeah, absolutely. Fast food. I fast. everything's fast. I stopped at a restaurant. I had some late afternoon service work I had to do with a client yesterday, and I stopped at a restaurant and I sat down by myself and ate. From the time I sat down till I was done, and it was a wonderful meal. Maybe 30 minutes. Yeah. Okay. I sat down, I drank my tea, I ate the food, I waited for the check, no dessert, and then I was gone. And it's like, just savor it a little bit. Well, it's not an experience anymore. It's, it's, it's almost uh, a thief between jobs. You, you're basically robbing yourself of being able to reflect. Look out a window and just reflect. Uh, what is, these cardiologists, what do they call it? Hurry sickness now? Yeah. Type A, type A people. Hey, and, think about this. We get bored with what we're eating too, right? Can you yep. imagine for 40 years you got manna from the sky? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, yeah, think about it. I think what you had just hit on, that it almost becomes a necessary evil rather than we are going to get something, sustenance to sustain life. Yeah. And at that time, it wasn't for entertainment value. So our culture changed that to where it became an event. And the food mm -hmm. is just part of the event. You know, you go to a Super Bowl party and people talk about, oh, my God, there was such a spread of food out there. You know, I must have gained 20 pounds. Well, you probably did, but nobody held a gun to your head. Right. <laughs> so right. That, that goes back to that lack of discipline. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, you know, because we're so splintered like you're talking about uh, going here and going there and whether it's a party and then next, we leave no margin between appointments. And it's like moving on and on. Uh, I, have a, I have a friend, you know who he is, his name's Ken. Um, and he said, you know, when I go on a vacation now, he said, I, uh, I put a day on the front end of the vacation that I'll take off before I leave to go anywhere. And I have a day on the back end uh, and I don't rush in at midnight to get back. And then knowing I got to be at work the next day at seven or eight o'clock in the morning. And I said, you know what? That's brilliant, uh, to be able to plan that. And I think you've got to make decisions to do that kind of thing. Let me, t let me t say one thing. This is what bugs me the most about this hurry culture. Um, I, and I violate it, just confess that, but here, here's what I believe to be true. Attention is the beginning of devotion. Um, and here's why I like that so much. Attention is the beginning of devotion. It's because what you pay attention to is the person you become. Um, and the problem with hurry is we don't pay attention long enough to be devoted to it at all. And the big one is the idols that come before us. And you nailed it earlier when you said, I violate the the first of the commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And I'm continually focusing on those things that I think bring me immediate, instant kind of satisfaction or pleasure. 
Uh, God's in it for the long haul. He's in it for the marathoners, not, not the 100-yard dash people. Um, because attention with, to Christ, attention to the Father, is what creates that kind of devotion. And that simply doesn't get a lot of press. We're looking for benefits all the time. What can God give me? You know, what, what can we get out of the deal? And uh, one of the things that never has any benefits is the holiness of God. But in order to be holy, you've got to gaze, you've got to watch, you've got to look, you've got to enter into the house of beauty and see his holiness. And that's a, a, that's a situation of devotedness, and it takes T-I-M-E. And how do you spell love? Four letters, T-I-M-E. It's really true. Well, you just said that God's in for the long haul. I think we've shared this before about, you know, how long is eternity? Yep. And they talked about taking a grain, a grain of sand off the beach and you take one grain of sand and every step you take is 10,000 years and you go all the way to the highest point in the world and you drop that grain of sand, then you turn around and every step you take is 10,000 years. And you do that for every grain of sand on every beach, on the bottom of every ocean in the entire world. And when you finally have them all on top of that hill, eternity just be gone. Wow. Well, that's a picturesque way to look at it. And, you know, I don't know why we rush and rush so much here. Uh, our days are numbered. I tell you, if, you, if we're not taught to number our days and redeem the day, um, I don't think we have a heart of wisdom uh, because it says teach us to number our days so that we may have a heart of wisdom. And what we're doing is just ricocheting through life. The question that I have though, problem, um, let's talk about some solutions to the problem. Uh, and uh, I, I wrote down some, I got lo love to get your take on this because, you know, again, it's not that we don't have enough time, uh, and we'd fill out, if we had 10 more hours, we'd fill it all. So um, the, the one thing foundationally that I think we need to remember is that when God created us in the book of Genesis, he, he, he said, basically, I'm going to create you in my own image, but I'm going to create you out of the dust. Those are two great pictures. God's image, which means we can do a lot. Uh, we're not God, but we're like unto God. So we have tremendous potential. But... He also says the other side of the coin, half of the other side of that story is your dust. So basically you have potential and then you have limitation. And we've got to, we've got to recognize both those bookends, I think. Um, and if we don't, we're going to swing the pendulum from one side to the other. And we're going to burn out or we're going to rust out. Uh, so in, in terms of solution, uh, you know, we have these phrases, YOLO and FOMO, and you only live once and the fear of missing out and all that. Uh, I, I think we ought to start there. Uh, part of the solution is to get rid of those things because every yes I say, I have to say a thousand no's. I do, whether I, whether I believe that or not. Um, by the way, just came to my mind. I, re I read something the other day. Did, did you know, Jim, that Guys today, today, not in our era, today, by the time they're 21, have played 10,000 hours of video games. 
Huh? They should all be experts because that's the. <laughs> I mean, there's two ways to look at that. They've wasted their life, or they've honed a skill that is suspect. But my sons tell me there are guys that are doing this stuff that are making hundreds of thousands a year, Golly. a year, because people will get online and pay money to watch somebody else play a video game. Oh, a monumental waste of time. If you yeah. ask me. Now, again, TikTok people and YouTube people and yeah. all that kind of, okay, I, I'm, you know, but I, I tell you, at the end of my life, I don't want to be known for how many hours I spend in playing video games. I, I want to do some things that actually matter. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, I'm judgmental at that point. That's the way it goes. Well, about doing something that matters. I mean, I got to be honest, Diane's been gone for a while helping her parents. And so I was going around the house cleaning today and everything else. And you said that we are in God's image and we are of dust. Now I feel guilty because <laughs> I cleaned up a whole lot of God's potential. <laughs> oh God, that's why you're on this program. Comments like <laughs> like the kid leaning under uh, looking hey. under the bed and say grandma grandma there's remember that that lesson you taught me out of genesis today i'm looking under the bed there's either somebody coming or somebody going <laughs> that's right yeah all right all right all right let's go let's go with this for some solutions here to this problem of hurry um first of all i, I think you got to just say it comes down to trying the discipline of silence and solitude i mean really um, it's too noisy out there. Uh, when, when you look at the life of Christ, he's baptized. Okay. Father son, father says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. What, what does he do? He immediately goes to the desert and then he's tempted by, by Satan, the devil. But I always looked at the desert because Jesus goes there a lot. He goes there a lot. And what does he do? He goes there to pray spend time alone and he's the son of god now if god needs solitude and silence what does that say about us the thing that i always thought was that's a place of isolation maybe even weakness or maybe getting away from the crowd but you know what i think it is i think it's a recharging of strength i think um we need to get if you don't come apart you'll come apart is really what i'm saying um when when the disciples said, you've just, you've just fed the 5,000. Hey, now, now, now you're somebody. Now they're, they're following you. Now the huge crowds, you know what Jesus says? Uh, let's go to the villages um, and, 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 and let's teach there. Basically, that's Jesus' way of saying, nope, not going to do it. Um, he withdrew all the time to lonely places where he prayed. He, and the phrase used often is he often withdrew. And I think, how often do I withdraw? I'm thinking, oh, time is short, redeem the time, go for it. But if I'm to be like Christ, huh, what am I doing in that area? How much time do I really, really withdraw? And I think that's really critical in our day and age. We need silence and we need solitude. Let me define it real quick, then I want to get your take on it. I would define solitude as being able to be fed um, solitude is the inner feeding or inner fulfillment. Uh, loneliness means emptiness. So I'm not talking about being lonely. I'm talking about getting away to feed yourself uh, nourishment uh, to be built up. So 
That's the way I differentiate the two. What do you think? I can look back and there are times that I will actually turn my phone off instead of just charging at night. Sometimes I will turn it off because every now and then they need to be reset anyway. Uh By turning it off, it kind of self-resets. And I think about those mornings where I get through 10, 30, 11 o'clock and it's like, I have not gotten one phone call. I have not looked at my phone. I got up and I got busy. Didn't even think about it. And Austin, I realized my phone's been off and it's like, this was really a nice morning. I mean, I wasn't distracted. And there are times that I will travel and I have noise reducing headphones. And if you've got those on, it's an eerie silence that you hear. Right. It's deafening, as they say. And the nice part about it is if you're in the right frame of mind, your self-talk can be some of the most powerful thing that you can experience. But I also, and I haven't figured how to master this on the long haul, but when you're quiet and I'll do this, I'll turn off my radio in the car and I'll just drive in silence, trying to see if God's going to speak to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've truly believed that God will speak to you in some way. I don't think he's going to come down in some booming voice. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's going to sound like some top 40 DJ. You know, those are the guys that are truly speaking in a rush. But I just think that you, you said recharging. If you don't remove those external feedback distractions, I don't think your body ever cools down and, and recharges. Right. I think we may hear a lot. We don't listen, though. We're just moving on. Um, You know, I did a way forward trip. It means I went up to the mountains. And the first thing they do is they take all of your trappings away. They strip you of cell phone and everything else. The first day, the guys on the trip, it's like panic city. It's like, (laughs) what? You're doing what? And I mean, they don't let you have a watch. They don't let you have the cell phone. And by day two, you're just still anxious as I wonder who's calling. I wonder if everybody's all right at home and all that. By day three, you're free. By day three, you're going, wow. Mm -hmm. And now you're able to move beyond the internal to what's external. And you actually see things for the first time in a long time. Uh, The second thing I want to talk about, uh, solitude, simplicity, simplify your life, is uh, an old word. And we don't hear much about it anymore. Uh, but it's a Sabbath, a Sabbath rest. And, um, you know, it's more than just one day a week, although that's where I think we should start. The seminar I heard on burnout was, guys, take one day a week, unplug. You work hard for six, unplug for the seventh, you'll be fine. I do think it's more than that. I think it's defined Sabbath would be restfulness versus relentlessness. Uh, God rested. God rests after creation. You know, he created this, God rested, created this, God rested. Uh, It's a rhythm that is in in our DNA. I think we simply don't know how to rest. And you you know what the word Sabbath means, Jim? It means to stop. Just stop. And so... One of the most helpful things practically I've ever seen was a guy that said, you know, you got three days every month. You got a focus day where you're in front of people, you're attempting to make money, that kind of thing. You're doing business. Second day is a preparation day that you're preparing to 
do business or make money or whatever you're doing, speaking, in my case. There's a third, and that's a leisure day. And he says, you got to mark those off in balance throughout the month. He said, start at the beginning and mark them off. He said, and I will tell you right now, the one you're going to violate all the time is the leisure day. Guard it sacredly. Circle it. Do not let excuses become the way. Keep it so you can then do the other two much better. I think he's right. What do you think? Oh, I, I could not agree more, but I openly admit I am so far from mastering that skill. Me too. Me too. No doubt about it. My schedule, I'm always trying to figure out how I can work things out to help somebody. Yep. And yep. it's like, Jim, you're killing yourself. Yeah. And every time I got to the, the worst, most chaotic thing, something of significant happened in my life that completely moved my cheese. Mm -hmm. I mean, it got to the point where I think God was saying, I'm not only going to move your cheese, I'm going to remove your cheese because in a spiritual way, you're lactose intolerance and no dairy for you. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, okay, uh, yeah, starting I mean, point, here we go. Well, you do kill the golden goose that lays the egg. I mean, you know, keep laying those eggs, but pretty soon you just run out of steam. And then whatever happened to oh, so-and-so, whatever happened to Jim? Uh, well, he burned out a crispy critter out there. Because, you know, but he he was crazy to the finish line. Well, you know, um, if we say, I want to be like Christ, if he, we say that, you know, he, he, he ministered to villages primarily, and he walked with his men. It was a three-mile-a-day three God. Um, he was not in a hurry. He lingers. John the Baptist, one of his best friends, he lingers. John the Baptist goes, where are you? Uh, the sisters call for Jesus and he lingers for three days. Lazarus dies and finally he shows up and they upbraid the Lord. Where were you? If you'd have been here, he'd have lived. So Jesus weeps, gives him truth and raises him from the dead to show his miracle that he is in fact God. But he has his ways, but they're never, never, ever hectic or frenetic or in a hurry. Uh, and he observed the Sabbath, but you know what? If somebody was sick on the Sabbath, he healed them. Mm -hmm. uh, people took precedent over any rule or regulation, and so we can violate anything. We make it into a law. And golly, we're crazy. Um, you know, and what becomes rest now becomes a yoke around our neck. So on and on. But Sabbath, we've got to stop and just take note. Um, and if we don't, we're going to be in trouble. Randy, when you mentioned about Lazarus, you notice he waited four days right. because there was a belief that, you know, anything under three days, you could still be alive. So it had to be dramatic that, no, he was dead and he's now alive again. Yeah. But how was he able to wait four days and not rush over and do it to put his, you know, his friends at ease? No, he's okay. He's going to be fine. Well, no, he's going to get there and he sauntered on over and took care of business on his time. Well, he also wanted to give a lesson to the two sisters that it is true for us today, that he always speaks in two ways, truth or tears. He gave truth to one sister. I'm the resurrection and the life. You believe in me, although you may die, you will live forever. 
Uh, do you believe that? Yes, I do, Lord. To the other one, John 11, 11, he simply weeps. Shortest word, verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Because he's always meeting us where we are. And he wanted to teach that lesson to people in our day. And it was recorded. So he had more to teach than just the resurrection. He always does. Hey, by the way, have you ever noticed that Jesus seldom, if ever, I think twice in all of the New Testament, ever answers a question directly? He's always asking questions in response to a question to go deeper into the real motive about why you're asking the question. And so it's really interesting to me. The life of Christ is absolutely fascinating, riveting, uh, emotionally exhilarating. If you just look at who he is and reject the religious Pharisees and embrace the Savior. But anyway, so Sabbath, I think, is a key one. Any other thoughts on that one? Yeah, I, I think, and this literally just struck me. That, to me, you know, Jesus was not only the original high priest. I think he was the original life coach because a coach is going to get people from where they are to where they potentially can be or want to be. Mm -hmm. And if he tells them and directs them, they're going to probably put off and say, no, I don't want to. No, no. He's telling yeah. me what to do. Leave me alone. No, he's going to say a what if, or if you could do this, where, and then let them come up with the answer and the solution and truly say, okay, yeah, he led me here. So he is the greatest coach that's ever lived as well. Yeah, I, I think so. The, the one thing you can say about the Lord, I mean, even his followers, is that he said, I've got one mission to seek and save the lost. And that's his mission. The Apostle Paul says, this one thing I do. Um, and he preached the gospel and he said, I only am known by the cross and, and the death and the resurrection of Christ, which leads me to the third one, simplicity simplicity now that says easy and does hard in this culture we accumulate i mean have you ever moved in the boxes and you're thinking about possibly moving to arizona good night what a beating it, what a miserable experience moving is um and yet i i really think there's some envy that i have toward minimalists that are able to say i don't need that i don't need that and Pardon the way I say this, but I think a lot of times we just need to get rid of the crap we don't need. Just get rid of it. Exactly. Um, and I think we'll find some peace and contentment. I think it was going to take a discipline. I think the cost of doing that would be high. You know what I think? I think the cost of not doing that is higher. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think we need it to be simple much more than we are now. Uh, because most of my problems are first world annoyances and the people that I go see in the mission field, they're simple, but they have a sense of joy too. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Randy, when we first moved to Chicago, we had stuff in storage for four years, four years. <laughs> We're paying to have stuff stored for four years. How important and how useful was that in our life? And it's amazing how quickly we just started getting, and even now, I mean, this desk that I'm sitting at, it did not come cheap. It is solid oak and it is beautiful. But right. guess what? If I can unload it for a move, it's going to go cheap. 
So now I'm going to start getting phone yeah, calls. How much are right. you want to That's a well, shameless yeah. little sales plug there, right? <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah. Good. You know, anything goes on these shows. Um, the last one I want to talk about, and all these begin with S, kind of on purpose, because I was trying to think through in my mind uh, on alliteration, but uh, you can be too cute with that. But I think the last one would be uh, slowing or slow down. Uh, and obviously that's the opposite of our entire theme today, but you know what I, you know, a lot of times we'll talk about grace and freedom and the Lord and all that. I believe in rules. Uh, I think, I think you've got to have some rules to be able to have boundaries for your own life. Uh, like the train, you got to have a track for the train to run on, to get to the destination. The train can't go down the valley and then up the mountain without, a, without rails a kite has to have the string. You let it go and it feels good for a while and then it goes down to earth. You gotta have, you gotta have some sense of, of uh, restricting yourself because I know my heart. Call it spiritual disciplines, whatever. L let me give you a couple of them. I think you have to set time for email. I think you gotta set some time for texting. I think you've got to learn how to walk. You do it. Uh, one of the first things that I was attracted uh, your lifestyle was you walk early. I, I don't walk nearly as much. And, uh, in England, they say the way you sort things out, and that's literally the phrase they use is that you walk a lot. Um, I think, you, you know, it was funny. Um, one of the only places that I don't use my cell phone now is in the shower. And I'm afraid that one of these days are going to invent a phone you take in the shower. I'll probably take one in. I've got to be able to deal with that critter. Um, Please make I, sure there's tape over the camera when you're in the shower. <laughs> thank you. We, that does not need to be out for us to see. No, that's true. <laughs> Boy, that is true. At 74, you don't know the half of that. Um, I, think there, I think we need to set up maybe, and again, this is individually driven, but I, one day a month, to spend at least part of that day alone. Now I know that has a lot to do with circumstances and context, but golly, um, just to be able to get away and think um, and pray. Uh, I think journaling may be a way that you can slow down. Um, again, on and on, there's a lot of different ways, but you've got to have some spiritual disciplines that say, this is how I do redeem the time. These are sacred to me, small s, but they're very, very important. So slowing it down. Well, I know, yeah, when I just kind of take my walks, I'm not in any hurry. I'm just going for a period of time. I want to give some thought, but uh, when you said journaling, I love to write, as you know, mm -hmm. and to me, it's therapeutic. And ironically, I may take time to write but I find the rest of my day is much more productive when I do that. I think it stirs another part of my brain that kind of sleeps yeah. for a while. Yeah. And then it gets up and you can see things in a whole different capacity. Randy, it, um, what's the one thing that uh, you said about waiting something and then the, uh, only, the second part is wishing you had? There's only one thing worse than waiting, and that's wishing you had. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. After you first mentioned that, I'm like, boy, oh boy, you know, you shoot from the hip so many times, your feet become like Swiss cheese because you, mm. you know. Yeah, you that, shoot yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I really have tried 
And people laugh when I tell them, you know, a lot of my friends are retiring now. I'm nowhere near retiring. I don't do sedentary very well. But what I truly want in my retirement, mm -hmm. I want an RV and a dog. There That's you it. <laughs> you yeah. talk about simple because no matter how good or bad my day is, that dog is so happy to see me. There you That's go. It. Yeah. That's minimalist in action right there. Well, that's all I've got. Uh, thank you for interacting with me on this. Um, I really wanted just to have a kind of a free association on this whole topic of, of hurry. Uh, and I do think it's public enemy number one to my spiritual life. And foundationally, I want to be somebody that embraces love and joy and peace. And I think it's an enemy to those three. So if I can start there and say, I really want that then I'll have to eliminate what uh, gives that uh, a bad name. So anyway, that's, that's it for the day. Thank right. you, brother. Well, Randy, I will tell you, I am not going to edit this right as soon as we're done. I'm going to go for a walk and come back and get it done sometime <laughs> this weekend. <Good. laughs> I'm cool. learning. I'm learning. Take so this shot. old dog's there learned a new trick. There you go, buddy. Well, well hey. I want to encourage everyone to share this podcast with their family and friends and go to Randy's website, drrandymarshall.pro, D-R-R-A-N-D-Y-M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L.pro. Or if you or your company are interested in doing a podcast and have me as your host or a team building seminar or workshop, please visit my website at lifecoachgym.pro. You can also get your weekly boost each Monday by liking Randy Salt Talk Facebook page. These are great short reads that continue to bring perspective to your day. For Dr. Randy Marshall, this is Jim Lute saying stay safe and God bless. And we will see you soon on our next installment of Salt Talks.